And welcome into Brewcast from Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Good to be back with you, Luke Yarda here, along with Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on Monday night, February 1st, kicking off a new week and kicking off a new month here in 2021, heading into February 2nd on Tuesday. And we've got a good one in store for you, some things that we have to catch up on. Uh, no Brewcast last week, uh, ended up with a week off. Our our fearless leader here, Mr. Anthony Broom, he was having a good time. He was in uh, Orlando in Enjoy Disney a little bit, but uh, yeah, we got a lot to get to here today, uh, including some transfers, some assistant coaching news, and obviously Michigan basketball uh, in the the two week pod halfway through the the two week pause that they've got going on. But before we get into all that, Anthony, Chris, what's going on, fellas? Oh, it's good to be back. Um, it's therapeutic to a certain extent. Uh, it, being here with the two of you scratches an itch that vacation just possibly can't um <laughs> you know but you know it was nice to get to warmth for a few days it wasn't exactly rest because it covered a lot of ground down there um but yeah good to be back um you know you get off a you get onto a plane it's not a, you know from one thing it's you go from cold to warm but when you go from 75 degrees to you get off a plane and walk out to where who's picking you up and it's 20 degrees um, the reality of that hits you fairly quickly. Um, so, and then you, you know, haven't given it up either judging by your background here. No, uh, little, little tropical thing going on, uh, on, on the Twitch tonight, but yeah. Um, uh, you know, once you get off that plane, you're back to the cold harrowing realities of, uh, the dreary state of Michigan and, and the lack of Michigan sports right now, at least uh, university of Michigan. So, uh, it's good to be back. I feel refreshed for the most part and, Again, I know we kind of have a lot to discuss because we haven't been here together in a while. So uh, excited to be back with you guys. It's also worth noting, uh, and it's good, and I'm glad to be back here as well. It's also worth noting the entire world got shaken up. When were you, were you about to board a plane? Because what was the big news that broke Saturday, uh, last Saturday? It was Stafford was getting traded, and then was it the Bellamy news? Was the other one that that broke? Well, on not Saturday? only. So let me run you through the timeline again. Yeah, I get accused of talking. Yeah. I get accused of talking too much, but this is a, you know, it's necessary for the story. So literally it was about a two and a half hour flight. I, I flew down to Orlando and I got bored on the flight because I feel like I probably have undiagnosed ADD. That's just the way it is. So I, you know, open up the, you know, the, you can buy Wi-Fi for like six bucks for an hour. So like, all right, whatever, fine. I'll do it. And as I buy this Wi-Fi and log in, there's literally uh, Lions hire Anthony Lynn as offensive coordinator. That's what it was, yeah. Uh, Matthew Stafford has requested a trade. And then, obviously, that didn't really affect us. Uh, but then you get, you know, it kind of set a tone for as soon as we get off the plane, it's, I think, Brett McMurphy was the first to report that Ron Bellamy, which this has been rumored and reported was, was taking a, a job at Michigan. And then the gaps kind of were filled in everywhere else too. We heard that Ed Warner wasn't coming back. We heard, you know, Sharon Moore was going to be the offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator. And Jay Harbaugh was moving back to tight ends. It was just like, all this stuff was breaking literally as I'm walking through an airport. So uh, anyone who's ever stayed at a Disney resort before, if you've ever taken the Disney magical express, I wrote like three blogs from the hotspot on my phone on the Disney magical express. So I can add that one to the bingo card of things I've done. So it was never, and then, okay, 
one last tidbit to that. You, you finally, the dust clears on that. You settle down, get back to the hotel, you unpack, we're going to dinner now. As soon as I sit down for dinner, Michigan sports shut down for two weeks right. by order of the state. So that was last Saturday night. So vacation didn't start off on the relaxing note that I had hoped for. But, uh, you know, once I, once you wash your hands of that, it's like, okay, Mays and Bruce staff, here you go. I'm out for a few days. So um, that was how it ended up being a busy day and, and everything kind of spiraled out of control at once, but such is life. I'm not a big fan of the Saturday evening news dump. I, yeah. I think I prefer the Friday at five, if you're going to do that, but um no, the shutdown wasn't exactly a news dump that came together really quickly. We'll talk about that stuff too, but yeah, it was kind of a, it was a crazy day that led into outside of me being on vacation, a void of nothingness that we are in for two weeks here, which is really resembles what we dealt with for a few months, you know, leading up to football season. So we're kind of right back to where we were to a certain extent. Yeah, that was a, a crazy few hours in the universe here but uh what we what i would like to start off with here is uh some of the news regarding the football program the assistants obviously you touched on ron bellamy and sharon moore uh but what i think is the biggest piece of news is ed warner uh, is going to be moving on and it sounds like it was uh a decision to let him go and i find this rather interesting because quite honestly i, I mean you go through the Jim Harbaugh assistance, you know, since 2015, he's, he's made some good hires. I mean, I know at the end it wasn't great, but uh, Don Brown did some really good things uh, here at Michigan. Obviously uh, Jed fish was fantastic for a couple of years while he was here and uh, a, a lot of good assistance to, to come through Michigan. But I think Ed Warner has been the best hire that Jim Harbaugh has made and had the most impact on the program and now he's got, I thought he was the best assistant that they had. And I know the offensive line uh, didn't live up to uh, a par last year, but I mean, you thought what all five guys made it to the NFL uh, on the uh, last year's team or on the 2018, 2019 team. I mean, yeah, that, four of four or five starters. Yeah. 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 And then we're going to have uh, Jalen Mayfield probably be a first round pick here this year. So I mean, he's really developed that offensive line. You know, he's done a great job. What were your guys' thoughts on this? Uh, You want me to take this one first? Please. I've talked too much already. I used up my quota for the show already. No, you're good. Um, You know, it's it's so strange, the kind of reaction to the fan base year in and year out to a lot of these hires, to a lot of guys in the coaching staff. Last year – was a disaster, right? Obviously. I mean, I'm not, uh, that's not, no, not exactly coming from a hot, hot take city there. It's, it was true. But for the, like, you almost have to view, and, and you, maybe this is unfair, but you almost kind of have to view last year as an outlier. Like, I, I don't, last year is not a reflection, and we've been as critical of Harbaugh as anyone, but last year was not a reflection of how, of where this program I think is actually at. And meaning that last year, and it goes without saying that last year's offensive line wasn't very good either, but that was, they were, they were just inexperienced. And you look at what Warner did here. One of the things that this program really, even in their weaker years, like even in 2017, when they didn't have a quarterback and they went eight and five, the one thing that you could kind of hold, you know, they could kind of hold their hat on was the fact that, Hey, they they ran the ball fairly well. I, I mean, there were games in 2017 that they won throwing like 
eight, nine passes. I remember the Minnesota game uh, at night where you know, basically Brandon Peters' entire role consisted of just don't fumble the snap and we'll be in pretty good shape. And, and Higdon and Evans just went nuts. I mean, they did a good job of developing offensive linemen. Everyone likes to point out the blame game. Why haven't they gotten over the, over the top? Why haven't they beaten Ohio State? If you're going down the list of reasons why, near the bottom of that is what the offensive line has done. They've done a good job. So it was it was a surprising move. I'm sure within the next couple months we'll hear about exactly what happened. Now there's the old, you know, we've known about this from the beginning that Harbaugh has a tendency to kind of great 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 on people, you know, and uh, this may be another one of those instances where it was just kind of a mutual parting of ways. We don't know, but uh, it, it was one of one of his better hires. And, and yes, I think for the most part no, there's been a few questionable hires, but for the most part, his biggest issue has maybe just been holding on to assistance too long. Don Brown being the perfect example of that may have been the case with Ed Warner here. I don't really put what happened with last year's offensive line on him, but either way, moving on uh, to a new era there. And for the most part, uh, I would I would grade it out to be an A A minus. I feel like he did a pretty sol- solid job there with the O line. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by this because we didn't hear anything about him throughout the process. And now you, you'll get some of the pay site people that say, Oh, well, we knew this weeks ago, we were sitting on it, whatever. <laughs> like that doesn't do anybody any favors. I actually, um, that actually rubs me the wrong way, but we're not going to go down that road tonight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened here. I don't Yeah, I've heard whispers of things. I mean, maybe it's just a, you know, it's pretty clear that the, this rebooted staff was going to be, and it is much younger than it was before. And and you've got, you know, a guy in, in Sharon Moore who I, he wasn't, I won't say he was out of position coaching tight ends, but he was a former college offensive lineman. I think he's qualified to coach offensive lines in college. I mean, he was certainly, um, you go back and look at some of the press conferences he's had. He's talked about you know, the pass blocking with the running backs, with the tight ends, you know, the run game blocking with those players as well. I think he gets it and I think he's qualified. And, and what this does is um, you shift him there and he's a plus recruiter. So that's, that's a good for, thing for them too. Um, you know, that has implications up and down the roster. I mean, he's helped bring in guys like Dax Hill and um, some of the guys, that, you know, some of the higher tier recruits that they brought in recently. Sharon Morris had a hand in that. I think what surprised me was that, not only did he slide over, he gets the co-offensive coordinator gig too. Right. And I don't know what that means because Ed Warner, uh, who's still, if you go to his Twitter account, he is still identifying with the university of Michigan. There's been some talk that maybe he slides into an analyst role. I, I don't know. It's, it's really odd. Uh, you go and look at his coaching career. He's a guy who's hopped around quite a bit. He's never been, at any of these stops, the longest he's been at any school, he was Army's. Well, he was at Army for, gosh, almost, almost I think twelve years here. So that's outside of that, he's bounced around quite a bit. So I don't know if there's another position open. I mean, his contract was up. Maybe it was just a matter of, I don't know. I mean, he's he's getting up up there too. He's I think almost sixty years old. So maybe stepping back was partly his decision too. But. Like I said, he was Michigan's offensive line coach and their run game coordinator. So he never carried that co-offensive coordinator tag that Moore has. But uh, this would suggest that Moore will have that impact on this roster or on this team, and and maybe then some. 
So I don't know what that means for Josh Gaddis. Uh, but like I said, uh, as far as Ed Warner goes, the only thing I could come up with is that I, I just, maybe the, the progress just wasn't where they wanted it to be. And the contract was up. So it was just a matter of, Hey, do you want to do this the next two years? Do we want to do this the next two years? You know, I also think a guy like Sharon Moore, who also had an expiring contract to keep, you know, he's a rising name, a rising recruiter, a rising position coach. I think to keep a guy like that around, you probably did need to bump him up a little bit. So it's, it's one of those pros and cons type things. I mean, I can't sit here today and, and tell you for certain how that's going to work out, but I certainly, as the dust settles on all this, I can kind of, I kind of get the idea of, of it because up and down this coaching staff, I mean, is anyone older than 36, 37 in any of these positions now outside of the head coach? I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty clear vision to me what they want to do moving forward, whether it works, who the hell knows. But again, it's, it's really just tough to tell right now. And then obviously the, the news of Ron Bellamy uh, joining the staff, you know, coming off a state championship at West Bloomfield. And, you know, there's already, you got Donovan Edwards coming in. There's uh, maybe some rumors that are floating around about uh, maybe some, some more West Bloomfield guys that are uh, in the transfer portal might be, you know, coming to Michigan and whatnot. But uh, obviously Ron Bellamy, very qualified um, to be on this staff as, as well. And, and another young guy who, obviously uh, can relate to high school kids really well. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do as a recruiter, you know, because it seemed like I watched that state championship game and obviously I haven't really kept tabs on West Bloomfield football too often, but seemed like the, the kids love to play for him and he loved the kids. And, and when you can bring someone like that in who, who's young, energetic, is hungry and can really relate to the kids. I mean, that not only is he going to be hopefully a good coach, but probably bringing in a plus recruiter. Like you've talked about with Sharon Moore, Anthony. Yeah. I mean, I would expect that. And what have we talked about before with recruiting? It's not recruiting. That term is not a skill. What Mm -hmm. makes a good recruiter is the way you connect with people, the relationships you're able to build and maintain Uh, as a coach. I mean, a lot of that same stuff carries over to being a, a successful coach too. So, um, you know, like I said, Bellamy's a guy who I know, again, it's kind of like you know, we talked about how Mike Hart was a Michigan guy, so to speak, mm-hmm. but was still qualified for that position. Would Ron Bellamy have a, a power five job on any other staff that wasn't Michigan? Uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, he, he played the position at the university. Like you said, I think that the, the proof is in the pudding that he is uh, someone that does connect with young players. And I think he'll be you know, he'll be an asset on the recruiting trail. I asked about, you know, he's 39. So there you go. He might be the elder statement statesman on this staff now, but um, coaching the wide receivers, I think that's going to be pretty important too. Uh, that's another thing. I, I believe that Josh Gaddis will still have a hand in that, but um, you know, something else you can take off his plate to where you're just focusing on installing a game plan. I think is probably a positive and the wide receivers, what, what, as we kind of parse through what needs to happen this off season, I mean, the last time that I felt good about the development of the wide receiver room was when Jim McElwain was here. And that was, you know, his ability to get these guys to um, create and maintain separation down the field. I I think if this offense is going to start clicking um, the deep balls are going to have to be a big part of it too. And that that's contingent on the quarterbacks, but it's also contingent on those guys being wide open down the field, regardless of what you feel about quarterback play the last, um, you know, more specifically in 2020, 
I just don't, I can't recall a ton of guys running down the sideline waiting for the football. So um, I think you've got some guys there that have that ability that have that next gear when they hit the second level, but um, we'll see what happens. I, I think again, everything comes with a grain of salt because you know, we've been up front before. We're not hundred percent confident in the guy at the very top of the food chain here. But again, in theory, these are all moves that I'm, I'm fine with and I can get on board with. Yeah, no, I'm with you completely. And I think I read a statistic. I believe Michigan now has of all the power five schools, the youngest average coaching staff, not including their head coach. Uh, don't quote me on that. I believe I read that. I read it on Twitter. So, you know, that means it's correct. And yeah, and never anything falls on Twitter. Does, so doesn't require <laughs> not once not doesn't once. require fact checking, but it, you know, you bring up the wide receivers as well. And I, I think, you made the the last time you were confident in the development of the receivers was Jim McElwain. And I probably agree with you. I guess the current batch of receivers reminds me a lot of the batch they had the first year before Harbaugh came in here where, cause I remember a lot of people being down on that unit. You know, Funchess was basically the only downfield threat in 2014. And you had Nussmeyer. I, I don't blame Gardner for what happened, but the quarterback play was really inconsistent, but you learned pretty quickly once Rudock came in there. And even at, his worst, he was so, so adequate. You realize that with Darbo and with Chess and Jake Butt at tight end, obviously not wide receiver, but was a, a downfield threat for them. You realized, okay, there's some legitimate talent here. Maybe it just hasn't been developed. Maybe it hasn't been utilized the way that uh, it was supposed to be. I kind of feel that way with the current group of receivers. I think with Sandra Still and Cornelius Johnson and you know, some other guys as well, Roman Wilson, like I think that there is a core there that could be pretty solid and hopefully bringing in somebody like Bellamy with experience. Guy played wide receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, he's got to know at least a little bit about what he's talk, talking about. I, I hope that will help their development because we have seen as talented as the receiving core has been at points over the last several years, we've seen certain instances of inability to make guys miss maybe at the line of scrimmage, but also there's been instances of, of third and fives where they went for four yard crossing routes. And it's like that, those little things are the things that, that need to be cleaned up here. I mean, we've talked about it before death by a million paper cuts. It's those kind of things that I think have, have impeded this program's ability to really kind of take that next step is just those small mental errors. Hopefully bringing in somebody like Bellamy can help fix that with the wide receiver core. I will say this after watching the week that Nico Collins had at the senior bowl that I think having him this past year would have drastically changed the way we thought Completely. about the receiver group. You Completely. know, that would have been, that would have definitely helped a lot of the young guys in, in their progress, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, got to work with what you got. And I'm interested to see here, you know, now that we do have co-offensive coordinators uh, in Josh Gaddis and Sharon Moore and a new wide receivers coach, Josh Gaddis has went after a certain type of receiver, right? Uh, the the very fast, but not very big in stature sort of guy. You know, when you think a lot of the guys on the roster right now that are receivers, I'm curious if that's going to change at all moving forward. If they're going to go after some of the guys like, you know, Nico Collins or, or Tariq Black, you know, that, that are, you know, bigger than than the five eight five nine speedster that giles jackson is or something like that you know so i think that's going to be interesting to see if there's any dynamics in the the offensive philosophy with the co-offensive coordinators as it pertains to the uh, skill position groups i have a suggestion uh just go get good players and develop them yeah <laughs> could <laughs> um, do that they've tried the they've tried the stable of five nine guys they've tried the Six two, six three, six four guys, and you're just going to have three towering guys: uh, Nico Collins, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples Jones. 
they haven't developed him well enough. And, and I think that's the biggest key. Cause I think you have some guys on this roster right now. Um, I liked what I saw out of Cornelius Johnson last year. Same here. Um, Ronnie, Ronnie Bell is as reliable as it gets. He's maybe not a super high end type of guy, but right. um, I, I want a team full of guys like Ronnie Bell. And mm-hmm. then uh, Roman Wilson, I thought had, you know, he's, he's, I believe he's six foot. So he's not like a short guy. I think you've got three guys there that are probably, you know, pretty good. And then you look AJ, at AJ, AJ heading could yeah. make a big one. AJ. Henning, I mean, they've, they've got, I'm actually working on something on the wide receivers right now. There's like nine guys that they have. Um, and, and three of them I know for sure can play Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. I think those guys on their own give you a pretty solid stable of wide receivers, but then yeah. you've got Giles Jackson, who I think there's some unresolved potential there still. AJ Henning is, was coming into his own uh, Xavier worthy, a guy who, God, I mean, I'm not going to make this direct comparison, but you look at the two guys coming out of college, uh, very Devonte Smith esque um, yeah. with what he's able. And, to and do how that. much? How much was the lack of production due to inconsistent quarterback play, too? Yeah. Well, right. that's that's the ticket to all of this, and that's why you see guys like you know what you're going to see in the NFL over the next couple of years is Donovan Peoples Jones will probably, I'm guessing he'll develop into like a 30, 40 catch guy in the league. And Nico Collins, I think there's an outside chance maybe he's a first rounder. Definitely think he's a day two guy. I don't know what's going to happen with Tariq Black, what his career looks like, but you're going to have these, you keep having these guys and you go, gosh, why couldn't they do more at Michigan? And and I think it all does come back to the lack of quarterback play. So um, you got to feature those guys too. And we've talked about this with Mike Hart and, and what his hire means having him be on the running backs. You need to, yes, we just talked about how Michigan has, what we think to be eight or nine really talented young wide receivers. I mean, Christian Dixon and Andrew Anthony probably don't factor in this year, but still guys that I think, you know, they see futures for. You need to find who your guys are because what we've talked about before, when you do this thing where you try to keep everyone happy, it kind of just pisses everyone else off and you don't, it's impossible to get into a rhythm and it's impossible to know who your go-to guy is in a, you know, a critical moment. I need a deep ball down the field. Who's my guy? Okay. Cornelius Johnson. That's you go get it. Like, I, I just think that, uh, again, a lot of that comes back to quarterback play and we could probably do a whole podcast on that. Uh, with, and with we have, that, I think it probably it several times. Seems like we've done six of them uh, before yeah. every Jim Harbaugh uh, season, but right. you now just, just find who your guys are and, and develop them. Like again, Michigan's always going to recruit fairly well, even when they're not recruiting, as well as people expect them to, they're still what top 20, top 15, go find guys, develop them, turn them into pros. And you're going to give yourself a chance. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but let's not act like, I mean, Iowa has done, Iowa put two first round tight ends in the draft a few years ago Two. When's the last time. I mean, Iowa had, I'm pretty sure Iowa had the the most players on the rosters in the conference championship games in the NFL. I believe so. Yeah. That's I mean, with linemen and and tight tight ends. ends I I get it. Yeah. Um, You know, Michigan hasn't had a skill player drafted in the first round since I think, I believe Braylon Edwards. So that is brutal. That is wild. That is brutal. And and, wild to consider. We're, we're really, we're really hammering home the, the wide receiver point, but it needs to be addressed like in, in terms of production. And of course, like I think Bellamy will do a good job here, but you know, like it's like baseball with a pitching coach, right? Like 
pitching coach can do so much. If you don't have good pitchers, it's, it's not going to mean much. Yeah. A, a lot of it will come down to uh, the quarterback play. It is worth noting. And, and I said this in the group chat, I'll say it here. Why not? Um, I like Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell is, has been very good for this team over the last two years. It's, it's kind of not a good sign when Ronnie Bell is your number one receiver because Ronnie Bell right. is a slot guy check down option. And he's great. With, and, and that's not his fault. He's a smaller receiver. He's a good route runner, catches pretty much everything that's thrown to him. But when you have a team of bigger guys like a Cornelius Johnson or in previous years, like a DPJ or Nico Collins, those are your downfield threats. And the problem is that they haven't had really a quarterback that has been able to get them the ball downfield. And we saw in the bowl game a couple of years ago, Alabama realized Shea can't throw it downfield and Shea was solid. He was okay here, but I think, you know, ultimately as you can only do so much. And I think even with all of these assistants, if the, you know, the problem, the problem isn't that Ronnie bell is your best receiver. Cause I think he gets, he gets a lot of unnecessary crap from fans that, Oh, Ronnie bells, your best wide receiver. And they kind of use that as a dig against him. Yeah. And I don't mean to, it's, the, I go, no, go. no, I know. I know you're not, but yeah. uh, the dig is against the fact that they can't find anyone else like that. It is a guy. Cause you're going to have those guys that emerge from time to time. Yeah. That you can't find anyone else is the problem. I mean, and, and then when you find other guys, they either don't develop or you don't get them the football. I mean, the, the lack of, again, and I know we don't have 2020 game film to go from, but the lack of, you know, self-awareness that, Hey, Nico Collins with the ball in his hands. Good. Yeah. Like <laughs> that guy should have, tu- you know, that guy should have been targeted eight, 10 times a game, but He'd get maybe yeah. five or six at tops, and that was a high usage. But you could just throw it up to Nico in the college game. Yeah. Right. You didn't even yeah. need to be but open. Even then, they didn't do that. I mean, I think – That's what I'm program, saying, yeah. Yeah. This program – and I've, I've gone on this rant about running backs as well, but I think this program has been at their best when they've had – again, another baseball analogy. It's like an ace in, in baseball. Like the no, one guy that you can go to, give me a jump ball, let's throw a fade route in the corner of the end zone, whether it be Braylon – or Manningham or Terrell. I mean, you, it, they've had some great receivers here over the years, this whole, like, we're going to have five or six different receivers and they're all kind of, kind of get equal distribution. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's really worked here. And so a lot of that has to do with play calling as well. You know, you can't really yeah. put that on the receivers or even the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes back to that quarterback, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Is it too early to do do a show on who's Michigan's quarterback going to be? I don't, yeah, th- we'll, I don't we'll think say, it ever we'll, is until we'll they have them. it figured until they have it figured out there isn't, I mean, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that every show from here on yeah. out, man. We, we well, pretty hey, much could, but we don't, there's no guarantee that this, uh, this shutdown ends this weekend. So who the, who the hell knows? Maybe next week is our quarterback podcast. Yeah, I can't, we might, I can't answer that. Speaking of shutdowns, uh, Michigan basketball right in the midst of playing some really good hoops. Uh, they, they do get shut down for two weeks. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break here on Brewcast, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the shutdown and the impact that's going to have. And we're back in on Brewcast, Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani. Uh, just talked a whole lot about, you know, some staff changes, things like that uh, with the Michigan football program. But obviously, we're in the midst of the college basketball season right now. And Michigan uh, having a very good year, uh, an unexpected year from my perspective anyway. Uh, definitely a, a team that could, you know, win it all, not only the Big Ten, but maybe make a run in the the tournament, you know. A Big Ten team hasn't won a national title since 2000 under Tom Izzo, so it's been a long time coming. I, I think Michigan might have the best chance to do that out of this conference, but 
right at the height of playing some really good basketball, a nice double-digit road win at Purdue. Next day, shut down for two weeks. Now, next game they play is going to be home to Illinois, and uh, they're going to have a few days of practice after they come back. But, guys, what impact is this going to have? Well, I think shutting down entirely is – I mean, I'm sure – I'm not outing anyone here. I have to think that there's, there's somebody's doing something. No, at least if you're just dribbling a ball in your dorm room, like I, mm. I, I, you gotta be doing something to at least stay in shape. I'm not accusing them of practicing behind the scenes. I mean, everything is, everyone's shut down. The facilities they, are shut they, down. The facilities they, are shut down. So they can't, I mean, they can't, they, they can't do anything. I mean, you could go, go for a run or whatever, but again, that's the difference to me between, the 12 days they had off between I think December 12th and uh, Christmas day. Cause at least you're still practicing. You can still go to the gym and get your shots up. Um, it is, it, it is a concern. And, you know, to update, I've talked about the Kempom threshold before of being the team that's top 10 in offense and, and top 15 in defense. Um, Michigan and Baylor right now are the only two teams in the country that are both top 10 in offense and defense. So that, you know, the idea that this is a national title contender um, is not, you know, it, it's, it's legitimate. We know that we know this. They're very good. Um, Gonzaga is first in offense. They're 12th in defense. I've said how that top 15 is kind of the cutoff there. So really, I mean, you look, you go up and down and, and based on those metrics, those are the three teams right now that really stand out as legitimate title contenders. I know a lot of money has been coming in on Iowa just give it to me or give it to charity. Give it to, you know, a gift, give it to someone as a gift, give it to your local restaurants who are open now. Um, don't bet it on Iowa. Like, come on. That's things, <laughs> things like that are why um, sports books can like, that's, these are the things that build casinos in Vegas. So, uh, which is great. We love those, but come on, be a little smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am concerned because I, I, I don't, at the same time, I feel like this group has the chemistry, the temperament, and the talent to overcome that. Now, if they come back out of the gate and, you know, it doesn't get – these these next – what they have – God, it's, it's weird to think about. They only have six games left now – or seven regular season's games now. They play Illinois at home. They go to Wisconsin. They get Rutgers, Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa, and the layup at the end of the year, which is Michigan State. Just well, kidding. Who's, yeah. who's to say what that looks like? But yeah. um, like the football game this year, that was supposed to be a layup. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. But uh, <laughs> you know, things don't get any easier, and you might lose. I mean, we've, they lost the one game, but you're gonna lose some games here down the stretch, and I and it might just be be because you play in a really tough and deep conference, and it's more top heavy this year than it has been. But I think there there might very well be a a feeling out process as they, as they get back to work, because again, they're shut down for, for two weeks. I mean, at least two weeks, we don't know when this thing's coming to an end. Um, I'd have to think they should be good because my understanding is that none of these positives that have come back have been in men's or women's basketball or hockey. So again, I don't know if last week's data reflects that because they don't give us the specifics of it, but no. I, I it's it's tough because it's like the one good thing you had going. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not like the season's over. It's like last year felt like unfinished business. They're going to get back on the court, and I'm confident that they'll be pretty good when they do. But it just 
you know, you can't say that for sure. Um, it's just, God, I, I, you know, as fun as this team is, I wish we could just fast forward to, you know, super sim to a, a vaccinated COVID under control world, because I mean, to be frank with you, and this might be sacrilege coming from someone who runs a sports blog. None of it has felt right or even as entertaining as it, as it usually is because Mm -hmm. just there's this dark cloud of, of this pandemic hanging over it. And it's, it's exhausting. It's been fun. You take the games one day at a time and, and they're, they're fun. It seems a lot of fun to watch, but um, not that there's going to be an asterisk. Let's say they win the national, if they win the national title, put an asterisk or don't, I don't, I don't care. Um, But again, it's just nothing. It just doesn't feel like it should, you know, I get that. What are you expecting, Chris? Uh, Well, I'm glad we're recording this when we are because a week ago I was devastated. I was devastated for, for multiple reasons. There's the selfish reason, which is that, you know, look, the, the football team gave us a lot of content to cover, but it was not, it's not exactly a fun team to talk about. And really even at their best, Oh, that is a base, you know, they give us the quotes that they need to give us. And then we kind of move on talking about the games. This team is a lot of fun. This basketball team. I mean, there's some, it's not only a good team to watch in terms of, you know, they're winning games, but there's some really good personalities on that team. I mean, if you could follow these guys on Instagram, there's some like Hunter Dickinson is a funny dude, man. That guy's a, I, mean, I love him. That guy's a clown. And I mean that the best way. So like it's selfishly, it's, it's tough to go two weeks without watching them. But then there's the other part, which is, you know, I feel about this team the way that I felt about the 2013 team midway through that season, which is, look, I they might take their lumps. They may stumble a little bit. But I know that this team's best is about as good as anybody else's best. They've beaten every opponent that they've played. I know they played Minnesota twice. They ran them out of the gym once, had an off day and lost. But they've gone up against good teams and ran them out of the gym. And the, the one big reason why I was so disappointed by this was the fact that it felt like, man, they're, they're in such a good rhythm. Athletes in general are creatures of routine. They're creatures of habit. And um, that that's completely taken away with the two-week hiatus. I felt a little bit better over the last week because everyone's dropping like flies. Every team that's had an opportunity to, uh, and I don't mean COVID-related, I'm talking had an opportunity to uh, rise through the ranks in the Big Ten standings, everyone keeps losing. Michigan is the only team, just had a week off, only a week. And yet they are the only team in this conference that has fewer than three losses. I mean, they're even if they, they are at a point now and good for them. Cause you ever, that's it's prime example. Why every game matters. They, they are at a point now where they can come back, stumble in a game or two. And I don't want them to win every game. Good, please. But I, I, they're at a point where they can stumble in a game or two and still be in the driver's seat to win the big 10 title. And that is a testament to the fact that, Outside of one half against Oakland, this team's pretty much been ready to go from the jump this season. I mean, Jawan's kind of worked with the rotations a little bit, but for the most part, it, despite the fact that there's some young guys in this basketball team, they they were pretty seasoned for, for right right from the jump. Whereas other teams in the Big Ten were not, and other teams have kind of showed their true colors. Now Rutgers has struggled. Illinois lost a few games early on. Um, Michigan did not have those stumbles, and, and it also speaks. And I feel better about where they're at right now, despite the hiatus, given the experience that is on this team. Because I think that you have those, the three guys I I go to, the program guys, Austin Davis, Eli Brooks, and Isaiah Livers, 
we know what they add to this team on the court, but I think off it, they've been so, so vital to this team's success. And it's where, and we've discussed this at, before as well. It's where I believe that this team is so much better off with the unit they have, as opposed to having four or five freshmen or sophomores, you know, running things here. I think that experience has uh, allowed them to kind of steady the ship. And I, I know they'll probably come back and be rusty. It'd be impossible not to. The, these, this is the longest time these guys have pl- gone without playing an organized basketball game since they were like five. So, you know, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a little bit rough maybe at first, but um, I, I'm going to believe in this team until I don't believe in this team, given how they've mm-hmm. played this season. To me, they have earned, earned the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion. The good news I, I think for Michigan is how good they are defensively. Cause you don't really need to be in the the gym every day to go out there and play good defense. You know, um, it's nice to get, you know, your, your work in your individual drills, your team drills, shell drill, whatever. Um, But, but at the end of the day, you could show up, you can give good effort. And with their length, they're going to be able to defend uh, basketball. And that's habits and muscle memory. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's the other side of the basketball that that's going to be tough because, at the end of the day, basketball is so incredibly, you know, individual skill-based game. Uh, you're dribbling, you're shooting, you need to do it every day to be consistent. Now, I mean, and I'm not talking about to regular people. I'm talking about doing this at an elite level. Like these guys could not touch a basketball for a month. They could walk into any, you know, rec gym and absolutely dominate the average Joe, you know, that are that are running fives. Course, but yeah. To, to, to do it at an elite level uh, against an, uh, other elite defenses and, and elite teams like the Big Ten, uh, to have two weeks off of not getting shots up or, or being able to probably do your full-on, you know, individual dribbling sessions, you know, your, your ball handling work, that is, that's where it's going to be definitely a little bit rusty, being able to make shots at the consistency they were able to. But like I said, that defense, man, they're really good at turning defense into offense. And I'll tell you what, you don't, these guys don't need to be working on dunking every day to be able to do it. So, you know, they're going to get some breakaways. And I think, you know, four days should be enough to where it's not just crazy bad of practice, given that they, you know, Saturday, they're able to get in on Sunday. But, um, uh, for the most part, the offense is probably going to be a little bit rusty, but this defense, I think, can keep them in, in just about any game they play all the time in the world off can't affect size. Hunter yeah. Dickinson is still going to be seven, two when they come back from the COVID break, unless this, unless this new strain is responsible for shrinking somebody. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I mean, Wagner's, and Fran, Franz is still going to be able to cover half the side of the court. You know, right, right. <laughs> Shawnee Brown's still going to be a madman on the defensive end. Like that is, that is a really good point you make. And it's where I think my confidence in this team is so much higher than it was earlier in the year. Cause we had those discussions earlier in the year is that we know that this team could score the basketball. Will this be a unit uh, that could be hawkish defensively? Uh, they've proven to be, you know, top 10 in defensive efficiency right now. And yeah, that stuff sticks, you know, technique maybe wears off a little bit after a few weeks, but you know, it's, again, and this is so unlike me to be as positive as I am, but um I, I, I believe in them. I I'm, I'm, it's only two weeks and I, I think they'll, I think they'll be all right. I really do. Well, I, I don't think we have anything left to cover. Do we? Well, do we want to, we want to take this question that we had on the, uh, the oh, discord? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're pivoting back to football here for a second. This is from Olio 97. Uh, thanks for the question. Olio, you you get the honor bestowed upon you of closing out our show today. 
So he says, now that the dust has settled slightly on the off season, what is the ceiling for this football team in 2021? Secondly, what do you personally think this team's record will most likely shake out to be? Are there any reasons for fans to hold on to hope? Thanks for the content. You guys rock. That's very sweet of you. Um, I could take this one first, or do you guys want to, or how do you, you want can to do go this? Ahead. Yeah, You can take it first. Um, the ceiling is probably what it always has been, you know, nine or 10 wins. We they've Jim Harbaugh and, and his staff have, uh, again, this is a new staff, but that's, that's proven to be in six years. We can confidently say that's what the ceiling is. So really for any of these teams, I feel like that's probably the case. Um, and I feel like we've talked about this before and then we'll get your thoughts on it in a second guys. But um the record, again, if you win nine games, to me, it all depends on what it looks like. If if you lose three games that you know you played well in, there's progress there. You see young guys making plays. It's kind of you know an investment. I know people are tired of hearing about wait till next year, but if you see things that would suggest that you know a brighter future is ahead, like some of those games in the twenty, like the twenty fifteen season. I can be on board on that. But if you're going to these games, you go eight and four, nine and three, and you get shelled by every single good team that you play, that doesn't do anything for me. So that's kind of where I'm at on it. It's it's where, again, it's just kind of kicking the can down the road with where they've been anyways, these last few seasons. So I don't, I can cert- if there's any guarantee I can make, and maybe I shouldn't even do this, there's, a, there's 0% chance that they look as, as hapless and as careless as they did last year on the field. I think there were too many things going wrong for them. And I think there's enough change there where I think that this is going to be a more engaged football team. I don't know if they will be any better in terms of talent, but they will be more engaged. And I, and I don't, I don't expect, I don't expect them to struggle against the Rutgers and the, the Michigan States of the world or what have you. So that's where I stand on it right now. I, I agree with you completely. Someone's going to hold you to that, but I think you're right. Uh, they they will they will not be as awful as they were in 2020. I, I, I made this point when we recorded our uh, emergency Harbaugh extension pod. This is year one, part two. I, the expectations I have for this upcoming season are the expectations that I had coming into 2015, which is all right. Let's see if we can get some semblance of consistent quarterback play let's see improvement let's be competitive and close to every game they get their teeth kicked in by ohio state again next year i mean it's par for the course at this point but you know they're they're the alabama of the north right now and so i can't knock them for that especially with how michigan looked a season ago they got a lot lot of ground to cover nine wins i'd put at the seat as their ceiling um 10 would be uh, pretty darn good, but I mean, you look at you know 2015, I, they overachieved and won 10. I think a big reason for that was there were a lot of players on that team that were so uh, poorly mismanaged when Hoke was the coach, and we didn't realize how how good their true talent actually was. I mean, Jordan Lewis was kind of so-so and immediately became one of the best cornerbacks in, in the in the country. Uh, and the, the the second part, are there any reason for fans to hold uh, hold on to hope? Look, you should always have hope. Hope is hope is a great thing. Now, don't don't lose hope, like ever. Uh, and and we are as negative as I mean, I think rightfully so. The team was awful last year, but we're, we're negative about stuff that happens. But we go into every year with with optimism, some optimism. Like that's that's what fandom is. I I do podcasts for the Tigers. The Tigers are 
awful. Guys, they're going to be a, a glorified AAA team this season. But guess what? Opening day, first pitch, in the back of my head, I'm going to be like, maybe. maybe Playoff team. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe the guy. If, if, if Matt Boyd becomes Sandy Koufax and Kristen Stewart uh, turns into Miguel Cabrera 2.0 in his prime, then yeah, maybe we got a shot. But no, I mean, don't, don't lose hope in this. And the, the, I'll say, look, if you're, if you're ever going to lose hope, do it when the talent coming into this program falls off. There is still too much talent coming into the program, four and five star guys every year for you to look at the roster and say, this is an untalented roster. This is a roster incapable of consistently winning football games. And that's, that's how I'm going to stand on this. You know, I I don't have a ton of faith in uh, who's running the ship here. We've talked about that extensively, but uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have some optimism or some hope going forward. Chris Castellani, much more Andy Dufresne than red. Exactly. But, uh... exactly. I, know. I, was about, I was about to go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm man. I'm going to sound like a water carrier compared to you two. I think there is a reason for optimism and I know it seems very bleak after what we saw this year. Um, but there, there's an interesting thing that could happen here this year. I'm not saying it's going to, and quite honestly, the the track record of the past has pointed to it not being the case, but there is a slight reason for optimism here. You guys talk about Ohio state. We could see Ohio Ohio state could be probably one of two things. They could be like Alabama this year who, you know, they, they lost their quarterback in Tua. They, they lost a couple of first round receivers in Henry, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And then they went out and, kick the hell out of everybody it could be that or ohio state you know i know chris olave is coming back but but you're losing your two-year starter at quarterback you're gonna have a big question mark there i know you're losing a lot of talented guys both both offensively and defensively like you could catch ohio state in a not as dominant year and you also have the fact that the the third year guys who are expected to make a big leap, the, the guys who are going to be third year players this year, that was the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten uh, a few years ago. Ohio State actually had the third ranked class in the Big Ten that year. So you could be catching a little bit of a slight transitional period, and especially defensively, Dax Hill coming into his third year, Chris Hinton. Uh, Mozzie Smith, you know, especially guys on the interior like that, who knows what you get now in the transfer portal with some new coaches coming in. And I think the offensive line is going to make a big leap. I think the receiving core is going to make a big leap. The question as always, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen at the quarterback position. That's going to be the the big question. We know uh, Joe Milton, he was hurt a little bit. He played with a taped thumb. Is he going to be the guy? Is it going to be Cade McNamara? Is JJ McCarthy going to pull a Chad Henney and start as a true freshman? We don't know, you know, but I think there is a reason for optimism, especially right now in that sense that you have these third year guys that are, that are going to be your studs. You know, your upperclassmen this year, Anthony, you talked about this recruiting class, you know, that was that was the upperclassmen this year. Pretty much everyone transferred out of that class. They had almost no one left. This yeah. is this is a different class that I think could make leaps and bounds. And I think you could see a ton of improvement from this past year to this year. And I actually think Michigan could surprise a lot of people this year if they get decent quarterback play. Damn. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest, wow. biggest if biggest if there is sadly but i'm, I, look, I'm, I, I'm ready general, to run through a brick wall and and, yeah. <laughs> and bite off kneecaps and shout out to our guys at pride of detroit um all that stuff yeah, yeah. i love it let's let's yeah, do like, it let's get to it, september in general luke i i do agree with you 
but I all it's also worth saying. I think every team Michigan has had under the Harbaugh era, the the hit, entire history of this tenure would have been rewritten if for that if if they like yeah. if there was a this is the example I always go to. If there was a quarterback who's ca- who came into this program over the last six years who had a Joe Burrow type impact, we're talking about a multi Big Ten title, uh, you know, program. We're talking about multiple playoff appearances. I mean, hell, given the talent they had on the defensive end, we might be talking about a national championship caliber program. So we're we're waiting on kind of that uh, that that ace in the hole, right? We're waiting on that saver. And if that happens, if McCarthy's that guy, if McNamara develops into something special that no one really saw coming, then I do it then. Yeah, I do kind of agree with you. I'm just all forever be skeptical about, about the, the consistency of the quarterback. So much for Andy Dufresne here. Well, no, I know I'm trying, look, <laughs> there's different, there's difference between optimism and hope. <laughs> well, oh. yeah. It, and who knows? Uh, you know, we, we had a, a question in the Twitch chat here in, uh, from Looper 007. He asked, do you think Rudock's success was because Harbaugh was the QB coach? Now was 2015 the only year Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback's coach. I actually, I think Jed fish coached the quarterbacks. I can check okay. on that for a second. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's the thing. I put it. Har- can I can I just say this? Jim Harbaugh has always had a hand in coaching the quarterbacks, regardless right. of if someone yeah. is. So um, that's the one thing he has had a hand in. People think he's been taking over Gaddis's offense. No. Um, any help that Josh Gaddis needs, he's getting now with Sharon Moore being your yeah um, your co seat. But uh, Jed Fish, really quick, live radio, live radio, have to love it. Um, so in 2015-2016, Jed Fish, of course, the head coach at Arizona now, he was the passing game coordinator, quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and wide receivers coach at Michigan. So for better – Lord. Um, the man wore a lot of hats. So <laughs> um, I do think – I believe that Harbaugh coached the quarterbacks in 2017. 2017 is the year I thought, yeah. I can check on that too because then the, illust- Hamilton- the illustrious 2017 season. Well, if, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, we don't have much hope for quarterbacks yeah, we take coach it, here we this take year. It all oh, back. God. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's so 2017, 2018. Pep Hamilton was the assistant head coach and passing game coordinator. So, uh, I don't believe Ben McDaniel's uh, Ben McDaniel's was QBs from 2019, 2020. So, um, yeah, Harbaugh coached the quarterbacks for two years, and again. I'll, I'll die on the hill that I think that you got pretty good quarterback play from Shea Patterson in 2018. Yeah. You know, I know people will disagree with that, but um, I mean, for the would, offense that he was in, I, I thought he did. Just I would fine. take it a step further and say, you could make the argument. He 2018 Shea Patterson might be Jim Harbaugh's best quarterback, but that's maybe a podcast for another day as well. Um, yeah. It's, your opt I think everyone's optimism is validated. I think your pessimism is also validated, yeah. but you know, that's, that's the state. This is Schrodinger's football program right now. What's inside the box for 2021 is either a good football team that proves that last year was an aberration or a terrible football team. That's everything snowballed from last year. And, and this is truly a cooked goose, but again, I really we just hope that, that right we're now. able to have. I really hope we're able to have full stadiums. I know that might be optimistic, but but if they are, I mean, 
obviously this team was not able to feed off itself, you know, and maybe having fans in the stands will help that as well. And, you know, that's a, that's probably a a problem in Jim Harbaugh's culture, but at the same time, who the hell would ever think that we were going to, you know, go through a global pandemic and barely even able to play a football. Remember we talked about that last year, last year too. We're like, this team has struggled to play away from home. How are they going to start playing at home without fans? And And then they win zero games at home. Yes, for the first time in, I believe, program history, which, again, asterisk next to it. You didn't play South Dakota State the first game of the year. So, you know, it is what it is. But as of as of right now, again, we see how quickly that these schedules can come together or fall apart. Um, it, it's also, sidebar real quick, hilarious to see how quickly a football schedule can be put together in the, you know, I mean, BYU scheduled seemingly week to week this year. But when yep. we see all these games scheduled for like 2038, but some of these schools were, I mean, BYU and Coastal Carolina put on a game three days ahead of time. So it is kind of ridiculous that you're locked into things like that. And I have a feeling you might start to see a little bit less of that, but I don't know. Um, Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, your non-conference games at home next year. So, Hey, I see two wins there. Maybe a third. Who's to say? Your first four game. I mean, Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, Rutgers. They could start four zero, and we're all gonna be eating that slop. We could be eating right. that Can't slop wait. big time. Uh, come that first, it'll be like post Minnesota this year, right? Yeah, yeah, and then on October second, you go you go to Wisconsin. So, <laughs> um, oh. yeah, who 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 knows? But like I said we talk about optimism, if you start four, I mean, even if they start three and one, there are going to be people that are, we got to figure it out. We're all in. Let's go. Let's do this. So um, that optimism is always going to be there. It might be pessimism in, you know, February, March, April, you know, leading up to it, everyone will be Randy Quaid from major league two, but then when the season comes around, how about a major league two reference? And yeah, by the time the season comes around, you'll be Randy Quaid at the end of independence day. You're like, yeah, I'm yeah. back boys. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting Can't times wait. for sure. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, who is the user that, that sent that in on the discord? Uh, what was it? Uh, Lou bird zero zero seven. Oh, that was, that uh, was, on, that no, was on o- Olio 97 in discord. So shout Olio out to our discord. Uh, I think after I do this, I will throw our the link to our Discord in our Twitter. We'd love for that to grow. There's been some good conversation over there. It's been quite, kind of quiet lately because, uh, well, sports have been quiet, but that's been a lot of fun to watch build too. So, yeah. All righty, Chris, where can we find you on social media, friend? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Castellani2014. I'll be back maybe at some point, but you can find there, you'll find the link to um, my other uh, ventures. Posted movie reviews. I've been pretty consistent with it the last few weeks. Uh, so check those out on my YouTube page. You can follow my other show at Locked on Tigers while you're at it. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Leave a written positive review of that program. And uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Leave a positive written five-star review of the Ma- Brewcast, uh, of the, the programs we do here on maizeandbrew.com. And, uh, yeah, follow me on all those platforms. Anthony, where can we find you? I could follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom, though. I suggest you spend less time on social media because it's rat poison. Uh, I can, uh, Chris, is, Chris is doing it right. Um, get our, get our podcast wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We love those positive five-star reviews. I've promised some t-shirts to people. I'm working on that. Um, it's been kind of a crazy few weeks here, but 
uh, yeah, uh, Discord. We'll we'll get the link to that up in our our Twitter account uh, at Maze and Brew on Twitter. Uh, just appreciative of your continued support. And if anyone listened to this entire thing through a stretch of time where there's no games going on, hopefully this filled a little bit of that uh, scratch that itch a little bit for you. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gierdi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I, as Anthony mentioned, uh, please, and Chris mentioned, uh, go leave a review, hopefully five stars. But if you don't like it, you can tell us that too, to be quite honest with you. But uh, no, leave don't, a review, subscribe. Don't. You're not allowed to leave don't. a negative review. <laughs> <Not allowed. laughs> um, yeah, so go do that. Uh, don't forget Twitch. Big thank you to, to everyone in here on Twitch. Uh, I know... Uh, didn't have as many here as we usually do, but hey, we got the pause, right? You know, but uh, sports will be back sooner rather than later on Twitch every Monday night, except for the the outlier week like we had last week. Uh, Mondays at 7.30. Follow us along there if you're listening to this on the pod. But uh, just appreciate you uh, consuming the content. Don't forget to check out the site too, mazeandbrew.com. A lot of great articles up every single day on there. So for my partners, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.